0: Goblin King, Goblin King, wherever you may be, take this child of mine far away from me. If you haven't already guessed, this week, Rewind the Movies looks back at Labyrinth, starring Jennifer Conley and David Bowie. It was a fantasy film that really shaped my childhood. The storyline revolves around teenager Sarah, who is forced by her father and her stepmother to babysit her baby brother Toby while they're away. Toby doesn't stop crying and Sarah wishes that her stepbrother would be taken away by the Goblin King, Jared. Out of the blue, Toby stops crying and when Sarah looks for him in the cradle, she learns that her wish has been granted and the Goblin King has taken him to his castle in the Goblin City in the middle of the labyrinth. Sarah repents and asks Jared to give Toby back, but the Goblin King tells her that she has to rescue her brother before midnight. Soon Sarah teams up with some allies. Will they rescue Toby in time? This isn't a film that I've seen recently, but I have fond, fond memories of it. The special effects and the puppetry from Jim Henson made this film when I was a kid. But we asked the question that we always do on the podcast, does this still stand the test of time, and did we still enjoy it? Anyway, here's the episode. Come on then,
1: Labyrinth. (laughs) Who picked it? It wasn't me. Uh,
2: I think we came, it was a consensus pick, wasn't it? We were talking about films we had watched when we were children or growing up, and we wanted. Oh, that's right, yeah,
1: it was. Um, that's, sorry, I just said wasn't me. It was a bit flippant because it's not my bag, anyway.
0: Because you were doing shaggy impressions.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's start with you, and Ev.
0: What's your memory of this? Did you have one? Did you watch it growing up?
1: I can remember bits of bits of the film. Like I remember, sort of like the scenes where she's in the she's in the gardens and stuff and then and then the 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 baby and goblin scene and stuff and I just yeah remember remember different scenes not watching it all in its entirety and I don't think I I don't think I ever did that until literally about 6 months ago.
0: Ah uh, so then this is going to be an interesting conversation.
1: Yeah.
2: JP oh, It's definitely one I watched a few times growing up from an early age. I I couldn't tell you exactly when and where I watched it for the first time, how old I was, but I definitely recall watching it in my formative years. Um,
0: I'm going to be like a broken record here, right? But I owned it on VHS. <laughs> <laughs> Every bloody podcast we seem to do at the moment. Um, and people will think I had this like massive, extensive library, but I didn't. I only had a like, handful of films, but we seem to have done quite a lot of them.
2: It's the only reason you wanted to start doing this podcast, didn't yeah, it?
0: exactly, just so I could relive my childhood, and actually, that is partly why I do the podcast. Um, I owned it on VHS, I would probably watch it quite regularly. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one on this podcast, but I had a huge crush on Jennifer Conley. Oh, but who is who probably, I don't know, maybe a few years older than us, five. 10 years older than us, I don't know what I do. I had a
2: crush on Jennifer Connelly growing up I've still got a crush on her now she, she is a fantastic looking woman As well as being I would say, a very underrated actress And probably hasn't been in enough fil- films for me
0: No, I don't think so either So shout out to Jennifer Connelly If she ever wants to come on the podcast Me and Prague would definitely um, Love to have you on as a guest
2: yeah, I do some proper research as well for that. <laughs> I do, I put the work, I put the graft in for that, no problem. <laughs> None of this just turn up for the podcast like we normally do. No, I know, no. I say I write notes, I never write notes. I've just got a pad
1: next to me with a pen to make me feel like I'm doing something. <laughs> yeah. I it's basically just one note, isn't it? Shit or good? Yeah.
2: yeah. I was going to say about Jennifer Connolly, if you have a look at some of her films or some of them are like, I, I, you would probably call cult classics or cult films now. You look because she did she did one of my favourite science fiction films growing up, which was Dark City.
0: Do you know? Uh, what? I don't think
2: I've ever seen that. Uh, it's a good film. I think that still holds up. She did a film by Dennis Hopper, which I watched, I think it was on a like quarter to eleven in the night on TV on a school night that I stayed up to watch it all not not because of Jennifer Connelly but be, because it ended up being a really good film and I didn't know anything about it it's called the hot spot film by Dennis Hopper 1990 really good I enjoyed that film she's in Requiem for a Dream she's in a, and then obviously she does she starts doing a few big pictures then she does Beautiful Mind and Blood Diamond and so on so she start you know she she, she does do a lot of films but I wouldn't say her career not took didn't take off, but she never made it into sort of like the she she never became a leading lady, I think, where she should have been.
0: I, I'm just looking at a um filmography now and um yeah, there's not many of her films I've actually seen. No. And I often talk about career opportunities, the film. Um and I think I don't think I've ever seen it apart from the scene where they're in the supermarket after hours, or the department store after
2: hours? Well, that film got a bit of a bad reputation after it was released, in there it? Because there was criticisms that it was mainly just exploiting her right. as like a sex symbol. And right. I- I've heard as well that the film just isn't that good anyway, so. Maybe I've just seen the best part then and I should just leave her that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, growing up, I, um, I love this film, but then I would love any sort of like puzzle or mystery type film. So the fact that she has to go through a labyrinth and um do you know the scene where she first enters the labyrinth and she hoggle opens the door, she walks in and then there's just like a massive path one way and a massive, massive path the other way and there's no turn-ins and then she has to look at a certain way to go to the next bit and I, I you know as a kid I, I thought that was wondrous and all the different yeah, yeah. like sort of um yeah the puzzles or the um the cryptic clues that she had to go along I am um,
2: I loved it yeah it's what it's one of my favorite aspects of the film is the inventiveness of it yeah cuz it's it's what you said really it's just it's the pl- there's hardly any plot <laughs> it's basically she's got to get to a castle within a certain time limit to save her brother. That's it. But even though in a lot of films a lack of plot may be a failure, with a with a kid's film or a film such as this, it can be a pos- used as a positive because it allows them free reign to do as much as they want or to do whatever they want.
0: Well, there's a lot happening in this film visually, isn't it? You know, yeah. gags and you know, like I said, those sort of puzzles, the 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 are they puppets? Yeah, I suppose they are. Yeah, yeah, the puppetry, yeah, yeah. The puppetry, you know, is fantastic in it, and and all of that, um, I think, works very, very well. So mm. I have got a little bit of a story about um, labyrinth as well, which happened to me in my slightly later years. I was working for an organisation called Groundwork, <laughs> and um, me and another colleague, and you you'll know of him, Brian Brian Dando. He, he'll Love a shout-out on this, only because I think he's our other listener. Um, anyway, one year, we had to take in pictures for our Christmas quiz, and the, the pictures were of us, of babies, and people had to guess which baby was which staff member. Me, the sort of, like, not living in the local area where I grew up, I didn't have access at the time to any pictures of me as a baby. Anyway, and ultimately, this... None of these are digital because they're all physical hard copies. Mm. So I went to, um, I went on the internet, downloaded a couple of pictures, but they were quite famous pictures. And one of them was um, Steve Gutenberg holding the baby from Three That's Men Super. and a Little Baby, or oh, Three Men yeah. and a Baby, sorry. And the other one was Toby, who was the, the younger brother in this, just sort of sat down in, in the castle, but you can't really tell what the background is,
1: yeah.
0: Um, and anyway, the reason I mentioned Brian is because Brian then took the picture of Toby and submitted it as him, and yeah. I submitted the picture of Steve Guttenberg <laughs> as as and the baby as mine. <laughs> and, and people were there right at, at the time, and all these pictures are on a wall, and they have to sort of guess who it was. And I heard people going, "Oh, see, the dad, I recognise him." <laughs> But I can't picture it. You know, he obviously looks like someone new, but I can't picture it. And um, I, I did generally think that Steve, um, Steve Guttenberg could have passed as my dad just from looks' point of view, in the sense of he's got dark hair and, you know, and things. Massive um, head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> but this is the level of detail I went. I altered the picture, like, um, tint slightly before I printed it. I... Cut the edges so they weren't straight edges anymore. They were slightly rounded edges. They used to get our photographs in the 80s. And then I scrumpled it ever so slightly so it looked like an old photo as well. You didn't t- You didn't do the tip and the coffee on it either? No, no, I d- <laughs> oh, didn't yeah. need to do that. I- I'd done enough with the other work. Right. Um And then to this day, I still have that photograph and it's on one of my um pinboards in the house.
2: Of Can me, I just me give me you around. a round of applause yeah, that's that story. That's the most tenuous link to Labyrinth I've ever heard.
1: <laughs> it was the best one though.
0: I, I I was gonna hold that story for three men and a baby, or I could have done Cocoon, I suppose. Um, but yeah, maybe it'll come back out for not, three men not and pol- a baby. not Police
1: the
2: Academy then. So oh, I'll okay, tell you well. why you need to do it. Every time we do a Steve Gutenberg film, bring or have that- conley <laughs> film, you've gotta bring out that story. <laughs>
1: No, you no, you just say, Oh, that's my dad. In that you f- know, right? You my were dad keep, in that film.
2: You were keeping this in the podcast. You were not taking this out.
1: Yeah. You're not uh, editing. You're not editing that
2: out. No. Oh,
0: for years I used to tell people Steve Guttenberg is my dad. Oh, I don't, that's good. <laughs> I need to. I need to tweet him or something and tell him the story. You can't remember when you first watched
2: the film, but you can remember something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Mind you, it only happened a few years ago, I suppose. So.
0: Well, uh, probably about. Well, I was going to say ten years ago, maybe 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 closer to ten years ago. But anyway, let's. Where do we go? What
2: what are we talking about? Favorite aspect? Let's go on to that at least. Go on, Prog, You start. It's got to be David Bowie for me. It's a strange one, really, right? I I like David Bowie's music. Some of his songs and a few of his albums I love, but I I'm not I'm not a die hard fan, right? I I'm not I w- I can't say I would ever go to bat for David Bowie. Like when people say the greatest artist of all time about whoever, if someone were to throw David Bowie in there, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in that that uh, that realm, as it were. But I do appreciate his music. I'm a fan of some of his music, but I, I really, really enjoy him in this. I think he's. I was going to use the word "chew." I was going to use the phrase "chewing the scenery," but that would. Give the impression that I think he's overacting. And I don't think he's overacting. I think he's playing the part really well. And I'm gonna say hamming it up a little bit. A but little as bit. A, yeah, but but as a as a positive, yeah, because it's a kid's film, he's supposed to be this goblin king, he's being larger than life, right? You've gotta have some of that in the performance, and also. He's he's written a couple of the of banging songs for this film. Dance Magic is to this day one of my favourite 80s songs. It's immense. It's it, immense.
0: It is, it is good. Um, I I'm a big fan of his cod piece in this film. I was gonna ask. Yeah, I was. Waiting I had to get, get it in promises. early. Yeah. After.
2: Yeah. Okay, <laughs> we're going in now. When are we?
1: Well, it, it, you can't you can't really not go there because like in, in every scene, it's almost as if he's like thrusting it in everyone's face. You do know what co- do You know what I couldn't believe as well.
2: I got, I obviously remember the trousers right before I watched it again because I am seen Labyrinth all the way through for a, for a number of years now. But I do remember the trousers. I was surprised at the amount of crotch shots they were, where you don't see all of Bowie, but you see someone's in the frame, but then... You, defi- you definitely see all of them. Yeah, but because he's the Goblin King and he's, like, ten foot taller than everyone else, when, you, when you've when got a headshot of a goblin and he's in the frame, all you're going to see is his crotch.
0: Well, there's a really dodgy moment where Hoggle goes to beg him not to send him to the bog of Etern- um, Eternal Stench, and yeah. his cock is more or less in <laughs> Hoggle's face. <laughs> It's ah, um, oh, it's brilliant. It,
2: uh, uh, I want to know who picked that out because
0: uh, I, it's I know
2: there's a co- I know there's costume designers and uh, so, so on for films on film sets. But part of me would not put it past David Bowie to have picked that costume himself, <laughs> or even brought it to set himself, like he had it already, and he's turned up and he's like, "This is what I'm wearing." I've um I've got this. Do you mind? <laughs> and they, yeah, they're just like whatever you want, Dave. Yeah. You do whatever yeah, you want. Yeah. So. Uh, but when he pulls it up and shows everyone,
0: they're like the size of like a child's like leggings or something. But when he puts them on, they uh, just
1: about stretch. Uh, ultimate lycra. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: look, I, I'll just that's also, that's
2: your favorite aspect. Of
0: well, <laughs> it's one of them. The, the other aspect is is uh, is the puppetry. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it, yeah. You know, it's Henson, isn't it? And it's 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 brilliant. The, I
2: I, I just, what I was gonna I was gonna touch on it with uh, what I said earlier about the inventiveness. Uh, obviously, we were talking about the the broader spectrum of the entire film, but I think in terms of the character creations, there there was one scene that I had forgotten about, which I particularly enjoyed this time. And it's not my favorite scene, but uh, I enjoyed it for what they did in the scene, and it's the helping hands. Where they're creating characters with just
0: with just, just people's the hugs, hands. Yeah. They're creating the faces yeah.
2: on there with the hands. Yeah, I think I, it's brilliant. Yeah, I love that. I thought it was great. But it's it's things like that, isn't it? Characters like that.
0: Yeah. Oh, look, I, 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 there's two points right um, on that as well. Like the little details within the film. I love the fact you know when she first gets into the labyrinth and she puts down arrows on on the. Um, on the tiles or whatever or the stones, yeah. And then they they you know, they prop up and they turn around the other way. And then I think it's after the the helping hands, they're in like um, um like a tunnel. And that tunneling machine is coming towards them or the digging machine. It looks massive and it looks like it's going to kill them. It goes past them after they like, get into a, um, a sidewalk, and there's like three tiny little things, bloody you know, the cl-
2: um... the cleaners.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant.
2: Yeah. And it's, I, it's, I got a pro. I got an issue with that.
0: Yeah, go on, I, well,
2: I, I am got an issue with the cleaners. I got an issue with the scene, so we'll come back to that. All right.
0: Mm. Um, and we've mentioned already. I, I think Jennifer Connelly I think is very good in the film, considering yeah. the amount of time that she has. In theory, with just you know, with puppets, it's not in theory; it's with puppets.
2: So, mm. yeah, I, I was I was gonna I was gonna pick on the character a little bit. I did find it at the start to be a very what's the word whiny teenager, yeah. and also I think
0: I I think me and you had a chat about this program on the weekend and but she's sixteen years old, and she's really immature. Yeah, you know she, she's there like fantasizing about fantasy worlds and troll kings. She should be thinking about boys
2: and going. Well, to you party. could argue she is in a way. Mm. I'm sure we'll get on to it. Like
0: I, I yeah, I find it quite. Immature, I think, considering she's supposed to be a sixteen-year-old
2: character. It was, it was just, it was just the change I found a little um, jarring this time round. In that you had all this at the start, you know, her acting up, her whining and complaining and so on. But as soon, as soon as she's in the goblin world, she's like wants to be best mates with everyone. <laughs> Or, you, you you know you talk about character development. I mean they did it within five minutes. But it just didn't feel right. Ed, what about you favorite aspect?
1: It's the music more than anything. I think the the music is top and probably the the well yeah the best thing about the film film for me. I'm, a, I'm I, as you both know I'm a big fan of 80s, 80s music and I think it's with this in particular not just the not just the 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 dance magic song, but the what is it is it the the one where the where's the room the rumor steps? Ah.
2: Um yeah.
1: yeah, that's that song there, that's yeah, I like that one. Yeah.
2: they're all good. You know, even the the original score is good as well, I think. Mm. Yeah. I Yeah. I,
0: I do have an issue with one song and it's to do with an issue with the scene as well. But we come back to that in my
2: changes. Okay, cool. Oh, can I just touch on the bog of Eternal Stench as well? <laughs> yeah. What a what a great uh sort of like not just creation or or as it were threat throughout the film, but when you actually see it, it's disgusting, isn't it? I mean, it <laughs> yeah. really is disgusting. I mean, you've basically got fart in water. And we've all had a bath, we've all let one slip every now and again. And they always smell worse. <laughs> so if that bog is doing it twenty four seven, God knows what the atmosphere is like around there. What's the name of the dog? Sudimas. So and he's just like what smell?
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I I've got him written down in one of my favorite as one of my favorite things, but also something I change.
0: Can i um just touch on something ev you' you've mentioned the music and we've talked about david Bowie as well Michael Jackson was considered for the role of jared so i I don't know what impact that would have had on the film and specifically the music but well, i um, think it would have had well, a diff-
2: i think it would have had uh, quite an impact well, on us watching it years later
1: yeah <laughs> it would it would have had it, it would have it would have been exhibit number a probably in the in in the, in, that court, in that court case wouldn't it? <laughs>
0: And I'm going to reel off some names of people who were considered for um, the role of Sarah. Yeah, Sarah. Yeah. Um, Yasmin Bleeth, Sarah Jessica Parker, Laura Dean, or Dune, Dune, Dean, Lily Taylor, um, Ali Sheedy, um, Maddie Coleman. I don't know who she is. But she's, it, she's the first name you've said I haven't recognised. But it's ultimately Henson, who they had to win over. Hmm. Who was the director on this? Was it Henson? Yeah. Um. Go on, and let's move on to favourite scene. Ev, go on. You go first.
1: Mine was probably the the one with the stairs. The there isn't there is a name for that for staircases as that, and I can't I, I can't for the life of us think what it is. But I I quite like the effects of of having the staircase staircases like that. It's not the Penrose steps, is it? That's it. Put on. Oh, no. no, Penrose Steps
2: is where they look like they're going on forever. Yeah. They're actually yeah. breaking. It. I can't. Yeah. yeah, I know what you're about. I can't remember the actual name right now. Um, some people have called them Penrose Steps or the
0: Impossible Staircase. I don't know. Who knows? Who? Knows? Um, it's Ev is my favourite scene as well. Okay. Um, I think the the music is brilliant in it. Uh, the and it's just how clever it is. The yeah. you know the they the, they're trying to suggest that no matter how close she gets to him. <laughs> He's, he always seems that far away and mm. um, yeah I I think it's a really good team really really good
2: scene. yeah
1: it's
2: it's really well crafted as well I think
1: a couple of things that I I, I want to talk about just but just for uh, touching on things before that I've always wondered in this in the film is it and I don't know whether the whether it's it's meant to be like this but is she dreaming or not
2: Well and, I was going to bring this up, Bev. I I've got a point of oh, okay. this as well. I, I was going I was going to bring this up because I know Andrew has issues uh, which we 're probably going to talk about about do I have a character and the and the Goblin King character so i don 't know if you want to do it now well the, the, the point that i 've got is th- there's a there's a train of thought out there
0: that the labyrinth is actually a reflection of sarah 's subconscious mind, right so whether she 's dreaming or whether she 's just daydreaming for example. Because ultimately, if you look at her room, more or less everything that you see in her room appears in the labyrinth. So straight away, Absolutely. you see the influences on there. And you've got Wizard of Oz. I, I can't even remember the rest of them, but there's a, there's a where, pile of
1: books. Where the Wild, where the wild Things Are. Um... Yeah,
0: the, which, which I, sorry to interrupt, right, which is a really interesting point because the guy who wrote that, for, uh, forgive me, I can't remember the, the author's name, He was not happy with the film at all because he felt it totally ripped off that film. So there is a special mention, I think, in the end credits, which says something along the lines of, um, you know, um, inspiration by or
2: Mm. something along those lines anyway. If you have a look in her room as well, she's actually got a figurine of the Goblin King on on her desk. It's by the mirror, yeah. Yeah. And she's got... also the po- there's a poster by her bed of the staircase scene. Okay. The scene that you both love yeah. is actually a poster on her wall.
1: And there's um by the, the books and everything, there's Sir Didymus or whatever his yeah. name is. There's a teddy no. there's a teddy but of the fox. She's
2: got she's got a hoggle in there. Also, if you think about the very start of the film, she is reciting
1: lines she's got a book called the Labyrinth I think all oh, right sorry yeah, yeah yeah sorry and um yeah. yeah and also there's a there's a green after after you see the teddy and everything there's a green maze right yeah. at the end but, before the camera pans up and she also
2: mentions in front of the mirror about um the a, a king or the king goblin like mm. it's either saving her or marrying him yeah. now to me all of that signifies that she's made all this stuff up. Whatever happens in that film is a st- is her own invention. So it's from her perspective. And, f- and for that reason, I don't necessarily have a problem with what does or doesn't happen between her and the Goblin King. Because it's a fantasy, isn't it? Mm. It's it's a it's a it's a teenage girl putting herself in an adventure story, wanting to be I'm not gonna say a princess, but you know, the saviour yeah. or you know, getting the man of her dreams, mm. that type of thing. So cause I was because cause me and Andrew talked about it on the weekend briefly, when I watched the film again, I was I was looking for it. Now, mm. maybe I shouldn't have been. But I, it did concern me. I was like, I was thinking, am I going to watch this now and, f- and think there's major problems with that aspect? But I personally didn't didn't find it that way because of the perspective that is, or the act, the the way it's played. You've got
0: the Goblin King Jared, who is played by Bowie, who is I think 39 when this was released, and mm. she's obviously 16, and it is a little bit creepy if you go down that route. I quite like Prog's way of thinking on it, though. That, yeah, it's a 16-year-old girl. She's, I hate using the term, but coming of age. So maybe she is transitioning from that quite childish nature into more,
2: I don't know, um, adulthood. Let's put it that way. And, And maybe that reflects on what we were saying earlier about the fact that she does seem childish at the start of the film. Like, if, if maybe if they had made her a little bit more mature, then maybe you may, might not have made as much of a, a, a link between the ro- the so-called romance element and the child.
0: There are sexual innuendos all the way through this film, though, aren't there? I mean,
2: yeah, we've just been talking five minutes about bloody Bowie's cod Peace" for <laughs> God's sake. Um, I have got another favourite scene. Well, good, because I haven't mentioned mine yet. Yeah, uh, So I'll
0: just mention it briefly before we go into progs. When you meet Ludo for the first time, there there is an element of it I think is quite dark, specifically the fact he's being tortured. Yeah. But I'll overlook that for the moment. But I I like the scene. I don't know what the creatures are that are, like, torturing him or what have you. But I did feel it was a little bit like um, a Monty Python sketch. Which, and then, doing my research, found out that... Terry Jones from Monty Python had a hand in writing one of the drafts. He the... wrote the
2: original draft, didn't he? Yeah, so, um, w- w- yeah, which m- maybe that element then came through. I got Monty Python vibes through a few things. What, and that Monty Python vibe is in my favourite scene. It's when it's when they're at the bog of Eternal Stench and they can't get across the bridge because of Sir Didymus. But the, and obviously you have this fight between Sir Didymus and Ludo, I love the way Sir Didymus calls everyone else Sir. (laughs) It's it's one of the reasons I love the character, but then towards the end of the film, he really gets my nerves because he's just just one note all the way through. But regardless of that, I love the end of that scene or the way that they get out of that scene by she just says, do we have your permission to cross the bridge? And he just says, oh, uh, yes, you do. And they just go across the bridge. (laughs) To me, that's Monty Python. It is a good scene. Good use of dialogue, anyway.
1: Yeah. I was going to mention the, ter- the Terry Jones um, sort of thing because it, it's, he is on the credits. He wrote the screenplay. Yeah. It did have several rewrites, but he's the only
2: one that got story writing credit at the time. Uh, okay. Let's move on to
0: changes then. And Ev, let's start with you because I know that there's some things um, of the film that you're not a fan of. And then hopefully we can end on a high <laughs>
1: <Sorry>. <laughs> Um... The First thing is the the dance magic dance scene. That that poor that poor lad, he's been bawling his eyes out for you know pretty much like you know half an hour, and he's and he's surrounded by all these little puppets and goblins. It's probably scarred him for life. That's <laughs> him. Uh, and then all of a sudden you see you see Barry with his crystal balls. He he loves a crystal ball, doesn't he? Yeah. that film. Tell but you.
0: if you notice, you uh, never see him actually doing it. He, he, um, there was a stunt double came, come in to do the old I don't know. Balancing of the balls. Yeah. I I got a couple of things on that scene, if it's all right, Dev. Right? Yeah, go on, go on. Yes, Toby is crying and is he's surrounded by goblins or whatever they are, right? And you would be shitting yourself. But I did find the no no this the goblins at the very beginning when you first see them in the bedroom. I find that scene quite dark, and I I, I really yeah. like that.
2: And I should it's have creepy. mentioned it earlier. It's creepy,
0: isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But for a kids' film, I found it, you know it was quite dark. The, the, the second point is so that scene has the famous lines that I would often quote with, like, friends and what have you, and you'd bounce off each other. You remind me of the babe. What babe? The babe of the power, blah, 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 right? Mm. I only found out on, when researching this. This is from another film. Mm. So yeah. This is from 1947's The Bachelor and the um, Bobby Souza. I think it's called. So there's a scene with that, and it's Cary Grant and Shirley Temple, and they say, hey, you remind me of a man. What man? Man with the power. What power? The power of hoodoo. Hoodoo, you do. Do what? You remind me of a man. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it just sort of like blew my mind that this was something from another film. And obviously they, they replaced hoodoo with voodoo and babe with man.
2: Or man it's, with so, it's something that Bowie's done before, though. He's reinterpreted what? lyrics from old films or uh, old songs as such. Noel Gallagher had that, had that famous saying, didn't he? He said, talent borrows, genius steals. Look, ultimately it
0: works and it's something that's memorable from the film. So does it really matter? I don't think it does. No. It's, it's no. something that I, you know, if you look on our Instagram at the moment and I posted a picture of us watching or me watching this film it was me and another guy who was going back and forth doing this you remind me of the babe what babe blah blah blah. and yeah. so you know it, it, this obviously means something to people that are a big fan of the film so why not do it Sorry, Ev. next point
1: the bit with the door with the two doors that you, to find out which one was telling the truth it, I, I, I don't know if I'm if I'm too simple for this but it always confuses us and I can't get it how she knows <laughs> I, I, I don't know honestly. So
0: it's not the fact that you don't like it. It's the fact that it needs to be dumbed down a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> um, this isn't um, not, not so not so much what I change. It's just like it's how you were saying. There's, there's some dark scenes in there, in particular the masquerade ball, where where she's she's trying to get to um, to the goblin king or whatever. The masks that they have on there. And bearing in mind, this is, I think this is supposed to be a U. Is it? For, you know, oh, I don't know, is it? I think I I'm pretty, I I'm, thought it was CG, but. Is bear, it? With, oh,
0: bear with
2: me, I'll have a look at my DVD. Oh, he's got it. Oh. Sorry. Nothing would surprise me, though, back in the day,
1: so. Yeah. Uh,
0: no idea. It must, be, it must be in a different oh. room.
1: No, well, either way, for a kid's film, though, that, that scene in particular. There's
0: is... quite a lot, right? There's Ludo's Torture, like I said. There's the scene Evans just mentioned. There's the fact that Jared is trying to get Sarah to marry him, regardless of what Prog's view of that is. Um, And then also the terrifying trash lady who puts the bejeebas at me every time. And I'm like, don't go in there with
2: her. What are you doing? Because she just basically wants to do harm. So who do you think this film is... Targeted at what's the audience then? Because I would I would argue that between a certain age range, the films for that age range they've all got some dark element or uh, scary scenes as such. And I, the one film that I relate to *Labyrinth* because it's not only is it made by the same group of people as such, but you know I do find it a companion piece. Is *The Dark Crystal*, and that is dark. But that I would say that is pretty much a kid's film.
0: I, I would still put this down as a kid's film. I, I think there are elements of this film which a younger child could watch with an adult and be totally mm. fine with. Um, but yeah, there's just one or two... I'm just thinking, as Ev said, there's one or two are, um, areas of the film where it just gets a little bit scary, I think.
2: I just yeah. thought, actually, off the top of my head now, so forgive me if I stumble on my words here, but... I wonder whether there's a psychological difference in this film because it starts off, Or there could be a psychological difference in this film because it starts off in the real world and then goes into the fantasy world. But the real world has, for want of a better word, been breached by the fantasy elements. So maybe kids watching it... Because normally, if it's a fantasy film, you can just say, this is all a fantasy, it's not real. Don't worry about mm. it. You can use that type of logic or understanding, but I wonder whether this being set in the real world to begin with, those words or excuses might not work for for young
1: children. Yeah. The only other f- other film that came that came into mind when he was saying that is um, Hook, the Steven Spielberg one, mm. because that because that's sort of similar as well. That you that you have, you know, the the real world at the start, and then obviously you know. Captain Hook comes in, and then he goes off to neverland and whatever. Going to what you're saying about the dark crystal. Just thinking about now, you had obviously you, you, you had um, you, you had that film, which was quite dark and scary. But then you had you had kids' TV shows like with with you know with monsters like that in Terror Hawks. Oh, know, and, that, well, and, that, and, that was, and that was that was on like a Saturday morning, and it's just you know Zelda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. that
2: yeah. I remember watching that I mean, saying that though, I remember an episode of uh, the Moomins freaked me out when I was a kid.
0: I think a lot of it does go over young kids' heads. They just, they, you know, they don't understand the full scenes, and they, you know, I think when you're a young child, just visually, you, that's what you're looking at. You don't really understand some of the dialogue, and you don't understand some of the the, the subplot and things like that.
2: And no, that's why films can be for. Adults and kids, I think. Yeah. I, I I do understand where Evans coming from. I I particularly haven't got a problem with it, but I understand where Evans coming from insofar as you know, there, there's a lot of dark scenes, um, and f- but for the most part, I think they can be overcome by the the character in that scene, hmm. whether they themselves a dark character or you no. Know, like you were on about the lady in the, the trash lady. Like, she hasn't got a very calming voice, has she? Like, no, what I mean is, normally, if you've got a dark scene like that, you can offset the darkness by having a, a more pleasant or cheery voice for her. Yeah. But she doesn't have that. And it, it, was, it was something I was going to bring up with one of the main puppets. And it, it's Hoggle. I mean, I hate to say it, but he is one ugly son of a bitch. No, like, he, is, he is tough. He is tough to look at.
0: Hoggle reminds <laughs> me of, you no, know, Airwolf. Yes. You well, know, the, the technician or the mechanic, Don. Look, look him up. He just
2: reminds me of him every time. Bloody hell of That is a link. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm like with these tenuous links. Yeah. Do you know what I mean when I'm talking about Hoggle? I'm not trying. I'm not trying to slag like uh, the the, pu- the puppet design or the character off itself. But if you want to make it a kids film, then mm. it's, it's sometimes with kids, as you said, it's about as- aesthetics, isn't it? It's about what they're looking at. Mm. Like Ludo, yeah, he's this big hulking creature with this Ludo. this, but yeah, but the, the slow, <laughs> monotonous voice offsets it. And also, you can kind of say in a way, he's cuddly isn't he he's yeah. he's not violent or vicious. Hoggle is a grouch all the way through the film, and I would also and, and along with his appearance i i that's something I would change.
0: I got a story about hoggle not not me personally right
2: <laughs> so, so the
0: hoggle. <laughs> puppet and oh, no.
2: is this as good as your uh... on, this is uh,
0: this is on par with Steve Guttenberg. right okay um the, the Hoggle puppet right um so when the film came out thirty odd years ago they um they were doing the rounds obviously promoting it taking the puppets around and things the hoggle puppet got was in a suitcase and got lost
1: mm-hmm.
0: thirty years later it turned up in a lost and found. I wanna say somewhere like Delaware. or I, I could be wrong on that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, someone opened this um the suitcase and found this hoggle puppet, which had deteriorated slightly. Um <laughs> imagine the shock they would have had, you know, you talking about it look not looking, you know, great to mm-hmm. such. Open that up, you're like, fucking
2: hell, what was that? Well <laughs> I would imagine for a split second you might confuse yourself and think it was a body. <laughs>
0: Yeah. It's like a dead child in a... In a, in a, <laughs> a like, oh, my God! Anyway, the, 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 the puppet and the suitcase is now in a lost-and-found museum.
1: Wow. Yeah. You'd almost think that whoever found it in a lost-and-found would try and make some money out of it by selling it back to like the studio or a collector or something.
0: Oh, well, yeah, you would have yeah. thought someone would have come along and snapped it up. Yeah. But I, I think there was, there was talk about trying to... Um, um, bring it back to his former glory I I don't know if anyone ever did that I'll f- try and find the pictures and send them out I'll put them on um, Instagram and social media when this goes out
2: any more changes Ev? no, no? I, said... I got a couple of picking nits oh, I tell you what sound carries in a labyrinth doesn't it like she can hear her brother screaming from outside the walls before she's even got in the labyrinth so God knows how loud he is when, he, when she gets right up next to him no wonder she wanted him dis- no wonder she wanted him gone Mm. The other, you know, you mentioned the scene about the cleaners. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna mince my words here. I hate how they escape the cleaners. <laughs> they find this like crappy part of the wall and push it through. <laughs> I found, I found that such a letdown after how inventive they had, they were being with almost every other aspect of the film. Do you know when they're in the Obliette to begin with and Sarah reunites with Hoggle and she doesn't know how to get out, so Hoggle puts that door against the wall, opens it one way, it's a closet, he opens it the other way and it's a way out, right? I love I love that Brilliant, scene. Brilliant scene, that is. Yeah? I don't, could they not think of something else
0: to escape the cleaners? I'll just put a dodgy ball in, it'd be fine, no one noticed.
2: notice. Yeah, I... To me, it just it just felt lazy, and I, you know, again, I'm I'm criticising something that, you know, they've spent so much time on everything
1: else, and I'm pinpointing something that, you are know, you, you, really, you almost you almost wish Hoggle would have taken that door with him, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why not? Like, I know, yeah. Everywhere yeah. he goes, he takes that door with him. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, any more? Well, I was going to bring up David Bowie's trousers, but we've already done that. Um, the last thing for me, is more of a question, but do you know the owl at the beginning and the end? Yeah. Did you think that symbolised the Goblin King? Was that the Goblin King? Um, going off a previous um, podcast, I think
0: that's her sexual awakening. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that. I don't think that at all. Uh,
2: <laughs> I know, but you're looking for euphemisms and everything now, aren't
0: you? No, I... I I read that as being the Goblin King, right? Okay, and he, in in the sense of he or oh, it's a messenger for the Goblin King. So my change, um, but you know the opening credits—they gone for bloody ages.
1: Mm. Yeah. It
0: it's it, you know too long. Do you know sometimes when you watch a film and you think, oh, the film starting, and it ends up being like the um the studio's logo or intro or whatever. Um, I, I just kept thinking it was going to turn into that, and it just it goes on for like five minutes, and it's a whole song of yeah. David Bowie singing. Good song,
2: right? But... Yeah, it's
0: a good song. I, I, I can let that go. Um, but my one change is I don't like the musical number with the fire gang, you know the the orange puppets. Really? No, I don't like it at all. The fireies. Oh. Yeah. Where where I I I think it's really clever how they've how they've done it, and it's obviously people wearing black and. But you know whatever mm. I I I just don't like the scene. I don't know why. Um, I'm, I yeah. It's it's just I think it's a little bit out of place. Okay. But yeah, if it's not in there for me, it doesn't it. it the film isn't affected. I I don't think it adds much to the film. That's what I'm saying. And I'm not going to go much on it. Some of the green screen effects are dated. It's a thirty year old film. I'm willing to mm. let that go. But I will shout out to, and we've mentioned it throughout already the visual and the special effects are absolutely brilliant. So, and yeah. so I would f- forgive any sort of dated green screen um, element of it.
2: Yeah, I just want to let you know now Chilly Down, which was the song sung by the Fieries, that was also written by David Bowie. Uh, yeah,
0: I, I don't particularly like the song either. But,
2: okay, uh, yeah. yeah I, I, I get it.
0: I got a couple of things before we go on to recommend, and I also got a question as well. So you may or may well not be aware, but there is a sequel in the works. It was announced last year. I know there's been a couple of false dawns with that, but it was officially announced, I think, either March or May in 2020. So whether how would they do that? I'm not entirely sure. Whether they get someone to replace Bowie or whether there'd be a new sort of villain, who knows, whether Jennifer Connelly would... Do a role in it. Who knows as well?
2: I would. I would like to think that they would have a different villain this time. Because if they had the Goblin King and they, and mm-hmm. it's not Bowie because he's unfortunately passed away, then it wouldn't be the same for me. Yeah.
0: Also, I, I read online that the people have suggested that this has an a quite untraditional feminist ending. Mm-hmm. So, in most fairy tales, the heroine get the man of her dreams and get married. So in this sense, you've got to think Cinderella, Snow White, um, Sleeping Beauty, for example, right? But in this case, Sarah declines marriage and hence sort of becomes powerful in herself. So she then sort of says, you know, I don't need the Goblin King to take forward my life. I thought that was very different to what you normally get.
2: Yeah, well you ha- she has the line you have no power over me and it's, I know it's the line that she couldn't remember from her reading at the start of the film but it's significant at the end of the film because I think it's her understanding that this story as such is of her own making that's how I interpreted it Anyway, come on, let's move on. Would you recommend? Uh, I would and I wouldn't. Uh, I would recommend it for kids because I think it's, uh, yes, it's dark, but it's also playful, inventive. Um, I think it's interesting. But I wouldn't recommend it to someone of our age who hadn't watched it before. I, for, for us, I wouldn't say it's aged well. As such, you know, I I didn't sit there. I wasn't thoroughly entertained throughout the whole film. I don't think I would sit down again and take two hours or an hour out, hour and a half out of my life to watch it again. You know, I that's not to say I dislike the film. I I do like it, but it's not something I would go back to at my, at my age now. Ev, I know you're going to have a slightly um,
1: different view on this. Um, yeah, I'd I wouldn't. To be honest, um, I've never been a big fan of the film. anyway. anyway. there's a lot of th- there's a lot of things in it which, it, if you put them all together, doesn't make a good film. And I know, I know, bo you know, I I, I do like David Bowie, and it's, you know, he's he, he does his best, and it, the scenes with him, the him are really good. But I think it's, I don't know, on the on the whole, it just wasn't for me. Okay. Fair enough.
0: I'm going to disagree with Evan. I would recommend. I would re- recommend to a, a family who wanted to sit down and watch a film together on a Sunday afternoon. Chuck it on. I, I I think it's great. I think it has a little bit of something for everyone. Mm. I think you have Prague is right in the sense of I think you've got to take it for what it is and it's a thirty year old film. Mm. I think I I think if someone hadn't seen it, I would say give it a try at least.
1: Um, personally. I'm almost disappointed in myself that I don't like it because I really, I really, I really wanted to like it, but I just can't. I, I'm, not, I'm not
2: disappointed in you. Oh, you, You've got your own opinion, but you were uh, banned from the next podcast. So. <laughs> well,
0: this is why we do the podcast, isn't it? You know, it it's, it's about opinion. It's about what a film means to you. It's not necessarily about doing the top, you know, the, the best films in the world or our top 100 films or whatever. It's about our memories of a film do they mean anything to us? And what do they mean now? Mm. And that, that's important to yeah. the film. So I, I had a question to end, and also Prog did. So I'll ask, ask mine first, if I, I ask the right, Prog. Is Dance Baby Dance the greatest m- musical number in a film
2: ever? Are you talking about song written for a film? Or, in you know, used in the film? I'm talking about a, a song used
0: in the film so
2: like um So I, I you I ca- I can't have no easy way out for Rocky 4. No, no, because it's about because they're not performing. Yeah, it's, it.
0: it's about being performed in the film. So I'm talking about like Greece, for
2: example, having but I wouldn't have any of Greece's oh, okay. songs because they absolutely piss me off. So
0: I for, um... for me, right, it's right up there. I just
2: I I just it's... find they're really enjoyable. I, it's up there for me. The only one at the moment I can think of that would rival it is the Elephant Love Medley from Moulin Rouge. I remember the first time I watched that film; that scene absolutely blew my mind.
1: I quite like um, Come Alive in the Great Showman. I, you, I, I, I I really like that. You what you? Oh, you've never seen the Great? You must have seen Absolute the Great Showman. Cheese fest. Oh,
0: You'd think I would have seen it, wouldn't you? But I uh, know, no,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I haven't seen it yet.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. It's it's basically when when Hugh Jackman's performing with the with the circus for the first time. There is a nights.
2: song from Frozen that I would put up there as well, but uh, uh animated. I'm not going there. Oh, okay, with animated, right. okay.
0: Because otherwise, every Disney film would knock it out. Oodle well, I mean. I, if it,
2: if it was animated, I'd have the whole soundtrack from the Jungle Book in there. So. <laughs>
0: Anyway, what was your question right, I should
2: have asked this question before we, before we actually watched this film, but I, I, I still think we can do it based on Evan's opinions. So there are three big fantasy films that I've got from the 80s, right? And what I was going to do, but I forgot to, was ask you to rank them based on your opinion from when you first watched them, and then rank them again after we've watched them all. I know, you know, we're going to be a couple of months down the line, and so on. But Labyrinth was going to be one of them. Then Neverending Story. Then Dark Crystal. So first things first. Have both we watched all three of
1: them previously, right? Yes. Um, not,
2: not for a long time.
0: No,
1: no, I. I I don't think I've ever seen the Dark right. crystal, okay. and never in the story I haven't seen. No, for ages. but you've
2: you've seen Never in Story and Labyrinth,
1: yeah. All
2: right, so for yeah. then, yeah. based on your opinions back in the you know when you first when you watched them mm. originally, which one would you have said was the better film? Um,
1: I don't, see, I got, the only thing I can remember of the Never in the Story was the big dog. Um, but but that's the only thing I can remember: big dog and the little girl on top. Um. No, it went a girl. like that on top. A... Was it not? Oh, well, it, was it was a boy. Uh, all right. Um, see, there, there goes my memory. Um, I don't know. I'd have to watch yeah, it again. I, I, I should have, have asked
2: And yeah. I think you're yeah. a fairer uh, example of uh, of this.
0: Labyrinth never. So Dark crystal story, would have been Darker last. Still. Yeah. Do you know why? I've seen right? it. I can't remember it. So, based on that, I, if I watch it again, i got a funny feeling right, okay. Dark yeah, Crystal yeah. would be higher.
2: Mine would be uh, Never Ending Story first, Dark Crystal second, Labyrinth third. Uh-huh.
0: All right. We, um, we're going to have to do yeah. them sooner and see what happens. So, final point for me on this. Labyrinth, Labyrinth sorry, flopped at the box office. It had a budget of 25 million. It returned 13 million in the box office, bearing in mind this is only US mm. box office. Um, but it
2: had a huge mm. cult following. Was that as big as the cult following for Bowie's card Piece? Or? I think that should go in the Rewind the Movies Hall of Fame, personally. Or but... well, like the Reverse Room One*. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: That's why we, someone, I hope they've done it, right? whoever owns that hoggle in a suitcase has reenacted it with (laughs) the the same piece of clothing that Bowie um, wore in this film and recreated that scene of him on his knees. If
2: there was ever, ever any scene from this film you were going to recreate, it's going to be that one.
0: (laughs) Anyway, come on, let's wrap it up there. Um, Podcasts are out every Wednesday. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Check out our YouTube channel. We say the same things all the time. Uh, But also, more importantly, if you want us to do a film, get in touch with us on one of our social media accounts. Okay, thanks all.